Welcome into another episode of the Busby Babe Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Dams, joined once again by Nathan Heinschel and Polly Questel. What is up, boys? Uh, nothing too much. You know, as a, I think chief vibes officer of the Busby Babe, as well as the memes are, um, really, really solid weekend of content. Just chilling you. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely vibing. I'm definitely chilling. Uh, Manchester United 6-2 victors over Leeds United yesterday. And uh, Scott McTominio, I don't know. Yeah, that was bad. That. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to restart the intro now? No. <laughs> Scotty, no. Yeah, there we go. We're not going to be able to workshop it that quickly. Scotty McSauce, uh, a brace inside of three minutes. And, uh, yeah, Manchester United took it the rest of the way. And uh, feeling pretty good, even though Leeds, are, you know, are not necessarily a an impressive Premier League side. Uh, they're a team that likes to attack and score goals. And they left us plenty of space. And for once, uh, we took full advantage of it and... Uh, I don't know. It's just a it's a nice feel good win that left me feeling very comfortable in the second half for the first time in a while. Yeah. So in anticipation of what our starts have been like, both on the road and at Old Trafford, I actually kind of slept in for the first four to five minutes when all of a sudden my phone started going bananas and it, Scott had already had his brace. I was like, all right, I'm up. I'm wired. Let's do this. But it's 11:30. Like, what were you doing? I, I had what are you doing on Saturday night during lockdown? That like you were like, oh, I need to sleep till 11:35. Um, what was I doing? Legal Legends. No, I think I was watching. Uh, I, I might have been rewatching Tenet, but yeah. Yeah, I had a for one reason or another. I. Uh, I had to, I took a caffeine pill Sunday morning because I don't drink coffee. Tired to wired. Yeah, I don't drink coffee, so like uh, if I need the caffeine, it's basically a caffeine pill. And I I showed up to watch this game and like my heart was like racing and I was like full of nerves and everything and I was like I don't know if this is the caffeine pill or if all of a sudden I just got really nervous for this game. Like what if it's just another home game where we don't play well and. Etc. Etc. And like, three minutes in, McTominay scores twice, and I was, I'm like, I just calmed down. And I was like, all right, I guess it was just nerves. Like that's good to know. Well, did you fail to eat breakfast that morning? Because I noticed if I have like too much caffeine or not enough breakfast, no, it's I, a I did eat breakfast. Maybe not enough, but I did eat breakfast. So that was mm-hmm. not the case. It was just more of. I ha- I also haven't taken a caffeine pill in a while, but yeah, it was nice. Like Colin said, it was. Weeds aren't a good team, but they are a rival. It's a big match. Um, I was going to tweet about it on Friday. Like, don't be surprised if this match means more to the supporters than it does to the players because, like, I've been a United supporter since, what, 2004-ish? So I've never seen them play Weeds. And that was when I was 14, 15. So, you know, Marcus Rashford was, what, six at the time? So they, you know, I know Weeds is a big game. You don't have to tell me that. And certainly anyone that walks into the club will know that Leeds is a big game. But, you know, if you're Marcus Rashford or um, or Scott McTominay or any of those kids, 
it's hard to really know it because you don't remember it. So you're just going off of what people tell you. And it's hard to really feel that emotion. And that was my thoughts going in. And then it was really nice when two minutes into the game, you know, it's an academy kid who burst through and scores twice. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe you didn't take into account Scott McTominay, the <laughs> man who shows up for all Manchester United big games. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was nice. And like, like, like Colin said, it's a team that we should be taking care of business against. They are a team that like to press and, and get forward and attack, and they, they do that relentlessly. And what they don't do relentlessly is defend. And it was nice to take advantage of that. And it wasn't just the fact that, like, I think what gets lost in the shuffle here is it wasn't just United. Oh, United beat them because they have better players. It was Alexander Solskjaer tactically was brilliant in this game to expose the fact, to expose leads. And we keep hearing recently or, you know, last year it was Solskjaer doesn't have tactics. This year people have given up on that one. They're like, all right, we see, we see the point. We get it. But they're, they shifted to United don't have an identity. And they're like, well, you know you know what Klopp is going to give you. You know what Mourinho is going to give you. You look at Bielsa's leads, you know, and he's making them better. And the thing about having an identity and being like Bielsa's leads is you only play one way. And he is unapologetic about it. And when it doesn't work, there's no plan B. And you know exactly what you're going to get, which makes you very easy to, to plan against. You know, unless you're 2011 Barcelona or this current iteration of Liverpool, who are just that much better than everybody else, if you come out and play the same way every single week, like, people will be able to game plan against you. And that is exactly what Solskjaer did. And it's it's telling that Frank Lampard and Holly Gunnar Solskjaer, two managers who are both closer to mediocre than they are great, have been able to expose leads in the last two weeks. And that's probably not a good sign for Leeds. And for anybody that says, oh, we want that identity, it's like, mm, you know, Solskjaer is, United is very tactically flexible, and that's probably a better thing. Yeah, it is kind of funny, too, because this whole time, basically since Ferguson, there's been all the talk of finding the Manchester United way, which, one, it was never one thing or one identity. I mean... Sir Alex Ferguson's teams were just very adaptable to playing to the strengths of whoever was their informed goal scorer or goal scorers. Whereas, you know, we try these people who bring in one identity and it's the result with Louis van Gaal and Jose Mourinho was both often very boring football. And with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I mean, it is incredibly frustrating at times with suffering these big losses, but at least it's never really been boring. Yeah, and what you just said was really interesting in in terms of playing to the informed goal score. Like, you know, people have said this and, you know, they bring up how Ferguson won the title in 2013 with what was objectively a pretty shit team. And if you if you say what was their identity, they didn't have an identity. Their identity was pass the ball to Van Percy. You know, that team couldn't defend. Like there's a reason that Van Percy had to outscore like, that team won by outscoring teams. You know, 2009, United won because they didn't, they didn't concede any goals. 2013, they won by outscoring teams, and it was on the back of Robin Van Persie. And what, this thing I'm working on now, this, this new project, 
which you could subscribe to at questthoughts.substack.com or whatever it is. You're supposed um, to do that at the end of the show. Yeah, well, we're doing it in the middle. <laughs> it's going through the different tactical eras of Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer because that's also like what he's kind of doing in terms of playing to his best player's strength. And it's also why things are, you know, when we started under Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, who blossomed? It was Paul Pogba. What was he doing? He was playing in the left of a three, in a 4-3-3. Like, and that we know is his preferred position. And we played that system. Guess what? You got the best out of Paul Pogba. But then Ander Herrero left and got hurt. And you can't play that way. And and then Pogba got hurt. And what happened? They, they changed systems a bit last year and, and got the best out of Marcus Rashford. And then he got hurt. And Bruno Fernandes came in and they... They didn't change formations, but they changed the way they played their formation to design it around Bruno. And you look at Bruno, and he has taken off because it's this formation is built around him. And yeah, he was good at sporting, but his goal and assist numbers per 90 minutes are better at United than they were at sporting, which is pretty good considering that like that's a big step up in terms of opposition and quality of league. And they're only better this year. Because the, the system is built around him. And what does that mean? It means Paul Pogba has to play in a different position. Not the best. He's good enough to play that position, but you're not getting the best out of him. And Marcus Rashford, good enough to play where he's playing, but you're not getting the best out of him. But it's built around your best your best goal scorer. And, that's, and when people say, you know, when people look at this team like, and say, what's their identity? Well, their identity is scoring goals. They've scored the second most goals in the league. They've played one fewer game than everybody but three other teams. That's their identity. They score goals. And as you pointed out on Twitter as well, they've done so without, you know, the goal scoring contributions of their, you know, what we thought would be the front three of the future from last season. But, you know, even saying that based on the past couple of games, it seems like that they're one finally able to play each other for a stretch of games again, which wasn't something that was happening earlier in the season. And two, looking a lot sharper. I know he didn't score yesterday, but Anthony Martial was a really good creator, uh, playing a little bit of a deeper role, but uh, you know, still finding teammates and creating chances off of dribbles. Uh, Marcus Rashford was a much more confident and direct dribbler yesterday, uh, although he also did not get on the score sheet. And then once again, you know, Bruno Fernandez, who did a really good job creating space off the ball, uh, still found a way to score two goals. Yeah. You look at the team that, that Solskjaer selected, and I, the big eyebrow raiser was Dan James, Nathan's son, coming into the team. My and, son. And it was very – like, I looked at it and went, oh, this makes sense. Like, if ever there's a game for Dan James, there's going to be space for him to run in, plus he can get up and down the pitch, and he defends well. This is good. But it's very it was very easy to be cynical and look at and be like, well, you know, like every other fan's going to do, and look at – the recent performances of Dan James would be like, why are we starting him? We have better players, but he wanted dribblers in the team because Leeds are a team that man mark you. And at one point in the second, the second half, when I rewatched this game today, Graham Lasso on commentary was having this internal debate or internal fight with himself. He seemed like at, in pain it, through the second half, as he was at war with himself over as a neutral, do I enjoy this back-and-forth game, or am I kind of horrified at how open leads are playing and how disastrous <laughs> it is? It was just so funny to like listen to him. He's, at one point, he just goes, 
the whole the whole thing with lead system is if one person makes a mistake, the entire system breaks. And that's why Solskjaer wanted dribblers in there because you're gonna go one on one with with players. And when I said like I said this was a I said a few minutes ago this was a brilliant tactical plan by Solskjaer because what he did was he like always built it around Bruno Fernandez, but not Bruno Fernandez facilitating on the ball in. In this game, Bruno Fernandez was facilitating off the ball, and he was doing that by just Calvin Phillips is your only holding midfielder who's man marking Bruno. So Calvin Phillips is your defensive midfielder whose job is guard the middle of the pitch, protect your center backs. But I've got to go wherever Bruno goes. If Bruno goes right, I got to go right. If Bruno goes left, I got to go left. So what did Bruno do? He went anywhere besides the middle of the field, and left the middle of, and that left the middle of the field wide open. For McTominay, for Fred, for Luke Shaw, for Harry Maguire, for anybody to just make these bombing runs forward. Um, you know, and we saw it with two goals right away in the first three minutes because you dragged Calvin Phillips out. And when they're man marking Anthony Martial, if Anthony Martial drops into midfield, your center back needs to follow into midfield. And then Dan and then Bruno's running out wide. So your midfielder now has to come out wide. And then Dan James is running into the middle to be the center forward. And suddenly what you have is you have your center back playing in the holding midfield spot. You have your full back playing as a center back and you have your holding midfielder playing as a full back. You're creating mismatches. And Anthony Martial was brilliant at taking advantage of those. He ended up getting four shots with like an XG that combined for one and he didn't score. Like it's incredible that he didn't score. He is going through such a rough patch this season. He is a much better player like this. And like he's a player that typically puts away 21, 20 to 25% of his chances. So even if he's gotten off to such a bad start that he can't get there, like eventually he's going to come back to his averages. And like, you know, even if he doesn't get all the way up there, he'll get to 17, 18%. And when he does that, he's going like, when he's coming back to his averages, he is going to go on a tear through this league. Yeah. Martial um, kind of, we talked about this a couple of years ago. Uh, it was Matt and I on the podcast when he went on a streak that kind of carried Mourinho's, you know, final days Manchester United side. He saved his job uh, over and yeah. over again. <laughs> and, he was like the one, and he was the one that hated them. Like his agents actually told the club, "We are not signing a contract if Mourinho stays here." And then signed a contract the moment that Jose Mourinho left. <laughs> yeah. yeah, banter, baby. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he's definitely going to have an opportunity to do it with, you know, how many more games coming up over the next couple of weeks. Um, and to put that into perspective, that season, he finished, he converted 25% of his chances. Um, he outperformed his XG by four goals. He only scored two goals under Solskjaer. Like, that's how on fire he was in the first half of the season. Yeah. I, I think he was injured for a little bit of that, but he actually did play quite a bit down the stretch that season. He scored, like, one against Watford and one against Arsenal in the FA Cup, I think. Right. But, he scored – yeah, he scored against Arsenal. So he scored three goals in all comps. He he scored against Arsenal in the FA Cup. He scored that, that great solo goal against Fulham. And then he scored against Watford. Right. He, he did get injured. He hurt his hammy against PSG and he and he when he came back he was never quite fit the same way that Herrera, Lingard, Rashford that nobody was ever really quite fit but like 
But one of the reasons that and like this is I'll cover this in that piece that I teased earlier, but like one of the reasons that he moved back to the strike that Ollie moved him back to the striker position was because, you know, when when Ollie came in, Rashford was performing, Mar, uh, Pogba was performing, but Martial wasn't. It was like we just invested, we just made a heavy investment in this guy to sign him for five years. We got to figure out how to get him going. And playing on the left of this of this system with Rashford down the middle ain't working for Martial. So it was, you know, he had to come up with something and said, Martial might be at his best when he's your second forward, but he can't be your second forward to Rashford. Rashford could be your second forward to Martial, but not vice versa. So maybe Martial can be your second forward to Cavani, and we'll see that going forward. But that was part of the reason why he moved him, you know, back to the middle. Uh, Nathan, as our resident Daniel James stan, um, James, up, James Hive president. Uh, do you think that this game is potentially the start of his, you know, re-emergence in the squad, maybe on a more regular basis? Because one, we do have a huge problem at right wing that he doesn't necessarily fix, but he might provide more energy and support to than Mason Greenwood has. And two, I mean, the biggest thing he was lacking over the last year was confidence, and it seems like this game was an opportunity to get him back uh, as a more, you know, confident attacking contributor. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try and not get overly excited about it just because, you know, he, he has the ability to still disappear for a spell. Um, I think, though, that this should be a – if you want to see Daniel James improve and you like Daniel James as a footballer, I think you look at this as a as a foundational piece for, you know, re – like like you said, reasserting himself kind of and in, in letting Ollie know like, hey, you can trust me to at the very minimum continue to be a utility player, a squad player who comes in um when the situation is really necessary for it. Um like Paulie said, this was like this was the perfect game for him to play in. And there's gonna be a lot of games that we still have on the slate that aren't gonna be the perfect games for him to play in. But he provides energy. Um you know, a certain level of tenacity and like when he's on it, he is on it. It's just a matter of like how consistent can he be? So, you know, like I was really, really impressed yesterday. Um, you know, his stamina, his speed, everything that you want to see out of what he does or everything that you expect to see him do well, he did well yesterday. So it's just like continuing to develop that in training. And then when he gets his moments out on the pitch, you know, making better decisions, I think has probably been his biggest issue. Um, ever since he started to fall out of form last year and was like trying to get it back in. Um, it just never really clicked for him. Um, but if we don't tank the Europa league, like I want us to, I mean, he's going to have opportunities to play more and I don't see why he can't give himself a more regular position because at the end of the day, like he's a completely different player than Mason Greenwood, as far as like what they're going to offer as a right winger. So when the situation calls for it, like he should definitely be able to put himself in the situation where Solskjaer knows, all right, Daniel James is the perfect player for this game, and I feel confident that I can start him as opposed to, you know, trying to put somebody else in because I don't trust him. So I, I think that's how I'm looking at this game was it was just a good foundational piece for him trying to, you know, get get back in everybody's good favor and just assert himself in the in the in the roster. I don't think it's the start of something. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's the it's we've already hit the start and this was just the continuance. 
in in his last three games for club and country, he's got three goals and an assist. That's span. That's 210 minutes, so less a little less than three games. Spans the Nations League, the Champions League, the Premier League. The kid's getting his confidence back. I think he's. I know he's a like he's more he's more of a goal threat when he to come off the left. And, I, and, you know, that was the position he played at Swansea the year before that we signed him. But all the years prior to that, he was a right winger. And when he came up through Swansea's system, he was a right winger. And I think he's a better player when, he's, when he plays on the right wing. It's kind of like how Nani was a better goal scorer coming off the left, but Nani was a better – he played within the team more and was like a more and, – and was therefore a better player – when he played on the right, I think James is very similar. And like you said, we, we are looking, we, you know, we lack that right wing presence. He still has the same problem that he always has, or that's not fair. I can't say that, but I assume because I haven't seen otherwise that he still has the same problem that he always has, which is if there's a game where there's no space to run in behind, he is useless on the right, you know, and he he's ineffective. And, I don't. Ex- I'm not. I, I don't expect that to change. So I would still say pick and choose your spots where you use him. But I think his confidence is coming back, and and that this could be really important going going forward to to really use him and and lengthen the squad a bit. Having said that, then you look at the schedule of like who we're playing next, and you're like, well, where are we going to use him? Yes, yeah, uh, good points, and. Um... I think we're playing a few teams too that we maybe won't expect to uh, charge out of the gates at us. Maybe other than Liverpool, but um, maybe <laughs> Liverpool not necessarily the game to use Dan James, or maybe it is the game to use Dan James if we're going to be counterattacking a lot. But uh, I mean, he had an assist against Liverpool last year. I mean, that's, that's the true. Thing, we did. We wanna, yeah. You know, like if yeah, we want to go to a front two, like what I'm very happy about is to see is is that he came out and was and was very good in a lot of different areas because if you want to go in a front two he proved last year to be much better in that position than mason greenwood was so if if we do have injuries etc and you and you you have to go like to say like let's play a back three or let's play the diamond and you're going to be like well we're going to play with the front two like dan james is probably the better option than mason greenwood because we've seen greenwood try it time and time again this year and he's just not very effective and Last year in the League Cup semifinal against Sydney in the second leg, we, we started with Greenwood in that front two, and then at halftime we brought on James, and like he changed the game because of the way he um, could just get the ball and dribble and run at people, and that's one of the things that we need. You know, we need a lot of things, but that's one of the things we need. Yeah. Um, so that is going to do it for us, uh, for part one and Oh, part... hold on, Colin, before we tie a bow on this Leeds game, oh. I want to play the role of host real quick. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Why do you hate Fred? <laughs> <laughs> you are the commenter. <laughs> what, what's your fucking beef with Fred, bro? <laughs> I just, I, I want to offer you the platform on your podcast to respond because I'm noticing in... <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Someone suggests that maybe you start analyzing badminton. It's a simpler game and easier to grade. I've I've been accused of having a British bias by someone else on Twitter who likes to take his comments to my Twitter posting of the 
report and not in the comments of the report itself. Uh, so if he or this other Fred Hive member is listening, I don't have beef with Fred. Uh, the, on, the, the reason Fred. I gave Fred a lower score than the other midfielders is because in our bullshit world of player rating scoring, I thought Fred did not have a better game than Bruno or Scott McTominay, which can be debated, but he wasn't a goal scorer. He gave the ball away a few times. Otherwise, he had really good movement, and it was a good game for Fred. Um, you want to talk about giving the ball away? See, Stay there was another midfielder two. who gave the ball. There was another. There was another midfielder who gave the ball away a lot, but he put two in the net in the first three minutes, and people forget about it. And that's what counts. And also, he's British, so. But but also, I mean, Fred, goalkeeper made a great save on him late in the game, and Fred made he made that it was his pass that made Bruno's goal. He played Martial in, and then. Hey, in my rating, I say good forward passing. Do I not, Nathan? Uh, for which player? Fred. Uh, Fred, yes. Uh, Fred was fine today, not quite up to the standard of his performances of late, but no costly moments from his g- giveaways. Good forward passing, too. I did. Go. I do agree with that. He, it wasn't one of his best games, but but this is. We said this after what was it? After the I think it was the Istanbul game, the second one, the one we won, where people were like, "Oh, he gave the ball away a lot," and it was like. He also tried more forward passes than ever. Like, this was his mm-hmm. the game where he had the highest percentage of attempted passes were forward of the yeah. season for him. And ironically, it was the lowest for McTominay. And it's because he was forward. He was already forward when the passes were being played. Right. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was the space. Bruno opened up the space, and it was just a matter of who runs into the space uh, for them. And, and also, like, Br- Fred was the presser. McTominay actually didn't press a lot. He didn't win the ball back a lot. Fred was the one that did that, and he'd, he'd grind you up, and then somebody else would, you know, uh, the first goal came because Fred – oh, no, not the first one. The second one came. Fred presses the guy. They kick it out for a throw-in. Off the throw-in, we score. Um, you know, so it was, he was doing a lot of that stuff, whereas McTominay then got to play the I get to bomb forward and, and get the glory roll. Yeah. Well, if if we're going to, like, I guess, reveal how the sausage is made, it's not like we have some kind of advanced (laughs) scientific thing that we put together. It's not like, you know, on your create a player on FIFA where every time you make a bad pass, it's like minus point one points. And, you know, you have like your base level. Like everybody starts at a seven and they either do things that progress them up or progress them down. It's like, I mean, to a lot of we are watching these games. We are seeing what happens. And you just kind of base your numbers off of like, all right, somebody did have a 10 out of 10 performance. And then you kind of tear it from there. Like, was this next person as good as this guy? No. Okay. Maybe he's like one point less. I mean, I did the, yeah. I did the ratings for, I did the ratings for Sheffield United and I gave window off a five because I thought he was a little, I, I didn't think he was as good as any of the other defenders. And, <laughs> but he, but he had that uh, pass for the Rashford goal. So, so that was the thing is, I thought mostly as I was like, I'm not going to give the defense much high scores because they didn't do anything and they didn't have to. But like, that's the thing is, is when you're doing it like this, you really only, I wrote a piece about this last year is that we really only look and, and we judge defenders based on what they did, which is stupid because defenders job is to prevent things from happening. And, you know, if you, you know, if, um, 
if I stand in front of Nathan so Colin can't pass him the ball, you know, I don't that doesn't look like anything happened there, you know, when Colin then does something else with the ball. But that's good defense by me for cutting off for cutting off Nathan. But I ended up giving Wendell off a five and it was I think, or I don't know, but someone like I think reached out to me on Twitter and they're like, I can't believe he did this. Like, you know, he had the great pass that that led to Rashford's goal, and I was like, Yeah, well, guess what? I forgot about that while I was doing the rankings. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think the that's, other thing that's that really of, what it came down to. I forgot. <laughs> I think what also skews it too is, and I noticed that this happens a lot. Not to go off on a tangent, but with like uh, people who get upset at like video game review scores too. I think because of all the years that we spent in school where, you know, at least in the American education system, you know, like 90 and above is an A, 80 between 90 is a B, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of looking at it just purely from a numbers aspect, we're obviously like between one and 10, a five is just like an average median score. So to a certain degree, I almost look at it like players start at a five. Like that's my, ex- my expectation. Everybody of like just does a- it that way. And I don't agree with that. What? <laughs> Starting mean, at five or just yeah. like, I mean, if you if you run around. So, what, what's your average score, Polly? I mean, I can't like when I'm doing the player ratings. It's like I'm not trying to be controversial, so I just do that too. But like, if I was rating people myself, like if if you're a midfielder who just stands around and you know doesn't contribute much, you know why should you get a five? You should you should get lower. You you know you you weren't average. You were irrelevant. Like in which case you should have gotten like a two or a three. You know. We, I, I just don't agree that five is just the what you start at because you know you gotta you should earn your way to to be a five. But then you also run into the like, okay, but how do you classify someone if they're like really really bad? But yeah. maybe we well, should uh, maybe we should create a, a system then or demand access to stats bomb and do it yeah. that way. Actually, uh, now that we've spent five plus minutes talking about this, um, your conspiracy theories are right. We actually just do this, so that way you click on our links. Yeah, and I'm definitely adding this to the title of the podcast (laughs) that we talk about player ratings to up our clicks. Actually, maybe we should include player ratings as part of our podcast each week uh, just to try and uh, boost the list. We just relitigate our player ratings? Yeah. (laughs) Defend yourself. Yeah. Um, No, I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, So that's going to do it for part one, and uh, when we come back for part two, we are going to talk about the upcoming EFL Cup quarterfinal against Everton, so stay tuned. Liddy. And we are back for part two. So, uh, Manchester United versus Everton, EFL Cup quarterfinal, um, happening this Wednesday, and coming after uh, a weekend where Marcus Rashford... I don't know if the interview was done this weekend, but um, it was released this weekend, uh, quoted as saying that he believes this is a team that can compete for major trophies now. And, you know, EFL Cup is technically a major trophy. Um, is it? I mean, they could compete for major trophies now if Marcus Rashford wants to, you know, start scoring goals. The agenda. Um, but, yeah, I mean, th- this is, you know, one of our best shots at winning one and, you know, showing signs of progress towards that now. And we got to the semifinal last year. We played against the Manchester City side that we were capable of beating and were one free kick away from doing so um, in the second leg of the infamous infamous Fred and Andres Pereira free free kick picture. Um, Of course I'm Fred. 
Uh, that's in the, the pantheon of Busby Babe memes. We love that picture. Yeah. A little harsh on Fred, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> I have my own agendas, Polly. Um, but yeah, I mean, and we're playing an Everton team now. People were like yelling at me, like that's a little harsh on Fred, and they're like, "Don't you know that like I love Fred more than anybody else?" <laughs> you own the Fred Zebra Kit, like right? <laughs> you've dedicated your life to Fred. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, Everton. Uh, this is a side that we beat uh, fairly recently. Um, I guess, or maybe it was like a month and a half ago now. But uh, it's a side that we know we're capable of beating. And, um, yeah, thoughts? It's also a uh, side that we're capable of losing to. Yeah. Yeah? I'm uh, I'm really excited to see how our U23 team plays against Everton. Well, I've got bad news for you, Nathan. <laughs> Dude, if it's not the Premier League, like, this this is going to be the, um, the soapbox that I stand on for the rest of the year. If it's not the Premier League, tank it. Just don't worry so, about it. Here's the thing, though. You're not the only one saying that, especially because it's the League Cup, Europa League, etc. But then there's so many people who are saying, oh, just tank it. But at the same time, then they're also being like, well, how do you judge Ali? And they're like, well, he needs, you know, if he's not competing for the title and, the, and everything, like he needs to win a trophy this year. And it's like if you're saying that one of the metrics of success is win a trophy, then why in the world would you tank – one of the chances of doing that. Like, why would you... Because I want to win the trophy. Right, but, like, if... if Yeah, but if you're Ollie, like, and you're saying, like, well, if they're going to judge me on whether to win a trophy or not, why would I... If I'm... If if you offered me the four trophies to compete for, why would I lower my odds and, you know, get it down to... And say, oh, no, we're only going to compete for three. We're going to throw one away when there's so much randomness that goes into it. Like, we played Sevilla off the park last year, and we lost. So things happen, you know, like we came so close against City, a City team, as Colin said, we knew we could beat. We got screwed because in the first leg we had to play Phil Jones and Andreas Pereira, um, and City just went, right, those are the two guys we're going to attack, and they they staked themselves out a 3-0 lead, which ultimately cost us. Like, why would you throw that away? Especially, look at the rest of the draw. Like, I didn't realize, like, how... Drawing Everton, like, we got almost the worst draw you could have gotten. Like, the rest of that recap yeah. is, is bad. Um, if I were to make an argument against the you need to win a trophy to show improvement and, like, cement yourself in your position, um, I would like to just remind everybody that Mikel Arteta won the FA Cup last year. with and that, that, Yeah, and, like, Roberto Martinez won the FA Cup and got relegated. I, I, I am with you in saying that, like, you shouldn't say, oh, a trophy league. makes, you know, winning a trophy – makes a good manager. Um, I think if you could show that you can win them consistently, it does. Like, I think Arsenal right now would kill to have the guy who they ran out of town who, when he couldn't, when he could barely compete for the top four in the Premier League, he was also winning the FA Cup every year um, because he was a good manager. So, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't stake anything on if you win a trophy, you're, you're good, and if you don't, you're not. But this is also a guy who comes in and... and like Collins in the first half of the show talks about the Manchester United way. And what he talks about is we're Manchester United. We want to establish, we want to bring that culture back of we are Manchester United and we compete for every trophy. And also, I mean, looking at, you know, not just the clubs that are left in this competition, but the managers we're playing against Carlo Ancelotti, a manager who's won the premier league and champions league, you know, multiple times in the champions league and won leagues on 
you know, three of the other big four or big five leagues. Um, and we're also potentially playing against Jose Mourinho in the next round if we win this, uh, managing Tottenham or Hotspurs Pep. or Pep Guardiola Pep, of, or, and, or his phone collector yeah. <laughs> or the person that carries the cones or carried the cones at his practices, uh, Mikel Arteta. What? Or Brentford, or Stoke, like... Hey, Brentford, don't sleep on them. They had a good season oh, last year. Brentford is good. I, I really hope that they get through. Um, and they and they get the good draw. They get they get Brucey over at Newcastle. Bruce! Um, so they get Brucey. But yeah, yeah I mean, this, this is a competition that we should want to win, not just because, you know, a, a piece of silverware, trophy ribbons go whoosh is nice, but, you know, it... I think it would be a sign of progress uh, yeah, if you're able to beat these teams in a knockout competition. Exactly. And and it's – it's don't forget, like, all right, when Ferguson won the League Cup, he did it with I, – I mean, he did it with youngsters in a rotated squad, kind of, sort of. But, like, remember, like, in 2009, remember, he, he made it a point to say, um, I'm only going to – you know, in the final, I'm only going to select players that have – that I've already used in this competition. And then it was like, yeah, well, Ronaldo came back from injury, and like when you when you brought him back from injury, you gave him 25 minutes of a runout in the League Cup. So he's played in the competition, so he started. And like same thing with Rooney. And then a year later, when they went back to the final, Carrick said like Fergie kind of looked around, like spoke to people in the dressing room, was like, who didn't play in the final last year? And like basically picked them based on that. Like, oh, Michael, you didn't play last year. Fine, you could play this year. Um, but yeah, it was like, you know, Anderson got his, his chance. Nani got his chance. Then you look at all the people who will still sing the praise of Jose Mourinho about how he won trophies when he first got here. He didn't rotate his squad in the league cup. He played a full strength squad starting in the, you know, we won our first game. He rotated the squad in that. Then we got drawn against city. He played a full strength squad against city and just rolled through the rest of the league cup with a full strength squad because to him it was, Oh, if I win this, I get a trophy, and then I could say I've got a trophy. And I wouldn't expect Ali to handle it really much differently. And, I mean, just, you know, going off of the League Cup games earlier this season and his tendencies even in some Premier League games, this is potentially meaningful minutes for some other players like Dean Henderson starting in goal or Axel Twanzebe maybe coming yeah, in to I, play defense. Uh, you know, Twanzebe might be hurt. Oh. Uh, he missed he, – he wasn't in the match day squad for either of the last two games. Apparently, he picked up an injury before Sheffield and Solskjaer said, we hope he'll be fit for Leeds. Well, that's becoming that, a worrying trend. That that was also a – they, you know, they passed the rule that you can now name an extra two players on the bench, and he still didn't make the bench Right. for that. So he could – I would think – you know, maybe Bailly comes into the team, but I think it's going to be Lindelof and Maguire. I think Solskjaer wants that back where to, like, just play more, get more cohesion. Like, because Tell is going to play. Whispers Phil Jones. Wants, I think he wants, you know, Phil Jones, he's now out till January. So I think he wants them to get some cohesion going with Tellez. The, there's going to be changes, but, like, you look through this squad. Like, if we said there's going to be changes last year, you'd be like, well... What does that mean? Angel Gomez and Tahith Chong? Like, you look at it this year and you're like, no, that's still going to be a really strong ass team. Like, you know, Donnie Van de Beek is like a shoe in to play. That's a really good player. Uh, Paul Pogba, I would think, is a shoe in to play. Yeah, he really did good player. Start against Leeds, or actually didn't yeah. come on at Leeds either. Uh, Donnie Van de Beek and Paul Pogba potentially playing. 
I'll put this to you guys. Game. I've, I've asked this before. Um, is this the game where we see Police Street come in? I don't think so anymore. Yeah? Dan James? I would... Well, going back to what I said at the, uh, in the first half of the show, when you say, you look at the schedule and say, when's the next time like, you can play Dan James? It's this game. So maybe that's what you do. You say, well, let's, you know, you had a great game. Now you challenge him. Do it again. Keep the momentum going. Can you run it? Can you run it back? Um, but you also look at it and say, well, Juan Mata needs a game. But uh, do you want, I, I think, you know, is Cavani going to play? You would think he will, but I think he's more necessary against Leicester. And, like, you know, what happened? The la- you know, he's coming off of a hamstring injury. And the last time we played him three times in a week, he threw out his hamstring. I would think Martial is going to play because Solskjaer just wants to get him going. So there's there's questions all over the place. I just Pelestri hasn't been training with the first team. He was with the U23s who played their last game last week, and I heard he was going to rejoin. Like it was likely that he'd rejoin the first team training now because the U23s are on break. So maybe he does, and it wouldn't shock me to see him be named to the bench. But like, unless United are taking care of business, I don't think he comes on and plays because you got to get minutes for Mata and minutes for Pogba and minutes for Van de Beek. And um, you know, the only the only player I'd really be annoyed if I saw him on the pitch is Aaron Juan Bissaka because that guy needs a rest. Like, give Brandon like let Brandon Williams play. Yeah, as far as Polistri is concerned, if if he doesn't play tomorrow or isn't even named to the 18 tomorrow. I, I got to think maybe, or excuse me, Wednesday, man, time, time doesn't even make sense to me anymore. I mean, yeah. I mean, if anybody's listening to it tomorrow, Pat Colin, then it'd be fine. Um, so you do have on January 9th, the FA cup third round against Watford. And that'll be at, that'll be at old Trafford. That that's one of those ones where I think if you don't see police tree, this week, then I got to think they target that Watford game, uh, especially then that'll give them, you know, two and a half, three weeks of being able to train with the first team. And Unless you see Ahmad Diallo instead. Yep. Who will be arriving. Well, what's curious about that, though, is the EU just instituted a travel ban with the UK. So I wonder if maybe that pauses anything with that. Is that COVID or Brexit related? That is COVID related. <laughs> they announced it this morning. Yeah. So, because I, I think there was reports of potentially a new, con- more contagious strain that was popping up in London. That's why yeah. all of a sudden they took away the games from uh, or having fans in Arsenal. Um, so and, in that yeah, and it's that, not it, the um, the vaccine doesn't like fight it. Yeah, that could have some really you know well. I mean, obviously, like, the calamitous effects of just humanity, but also just the January transfer window might be upended for the for Premier League teams because of that. Good thing that Traore is going to have his superpowers by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, do we have any other thoughts on Everton before we close up shop for the day? Yeah, it'll be interesting because the same way that we don't know who's going to play for us, like we have no idea who's going to play for them. Yeah, uh, I mean, they've won their last three Premier League games against decent opponents and also Arsenal. Um, but I, I don't think James Rodriguez has been fit 
for those games. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin uh, is obviously a player to worry about, but do you think that this is a competition that Everton would want to win as well? Or yeah. do you think oh, they would 100%. want to rotate people? Okay. Uh, I, that's the that's the tricky part. 100%. Like, if, if Carlo Ancelotti wins a trophy at Everton, like, you know, that's their first trophy since when? Uh, 1995, I think, the FA Cup? Or did they lose that year? Like No, they beat us in the final. Right. So that's their first trophy in 30 years, almost. Um, which, geez, that makes me feel old saying that. Um, yeah. All right, 25 years. So, yeah, absolutely. They want to win this. They want to win this competition. But you look at. They're also in an interesting spot, though, because they've moved into fourth place in the Premier League, too, and they need to probably rotate some guys as well. Um, so that way they potentially can sustain some kind of run. So I, I don't know. I think we might get like some kind of weird mashup of both teams. Like, all right, here's some of the good guys. So that way we like play well. But also here's some guys that desperately needed a rest that are going to come out. And, you know, these guys play it. It could just be like a really weird 1-1 game that goes to penalties after 90 You're, you're exactly right. <laughs> but like that's the thing is it prevents. See, like the thing is, is that year after year we see this happen. With teams like Everton, Leicester, in that mold, they get off to hot starts. They do this, and then they go through the festive period. And even if they survive the festive period, you could see in January, February, they start to just hit the they hit a wall, and they the points start dropping, etc. So well, they've already ever, gone through their gauntlet. I mean, they beat Chelsea, uh, they beat Leicester. It's it's beat not Arsenal. about who they're playing. It's it's just about you know it's it's not like oh you know they they they're in the top four or you know right there. At Christmas, and then they run, through, and then you know, and then they lose to United and and City, etc. It's like no, then they start dropping points to Fulham and and everybody because they're just too tired. Yeah. And we are, you look at last week was the first time that was the first time this season that the Premier League teams had to start that the rest of the Premier League had to play midweek games. You know, the first, other than September where everybody was rotating their squads and bowing out of the League Cup, it's only been the European teams. That have had to play midweek. So everybody else has been weekend, weekend, weekend. They've had a full week off. And already this weekend we saw like everybody was looking leggy and tired. So if you're Everton, do you sit there and be like, well, we're going to expend our energy when we're already tired? Now, before we get to the festive period, like then we have Boxing Day, that midweek, New Year's. Um, I think there's... Oh, the the after New Year's is, is a possible League Cup semifinal and then the FA Cup. Or you say this, like, yes, it's a wide open season, but the top teams are kind of starting to figure it out. They're coming around. And you may not be in the like you may not be in the Champions League picture, but if you go all out to win the League Cup, you can have a very successful season. And by March first have locked up European football for next year. And then, yeah, you fight for the top four, but if you fall out of the top four, okay. And then you don't have to worry about fighting for fifth or sixth because you could finish 10th and you're still going to the group stage of the Europa League next year. I'm like, that's the that's the natural progression for a team like Everton is, is you want to get into the Europa League and not, you know, it used to be that the Europa League is a, um, you know, a, a, an annoyance for teams like Everton and, you know, back in the day, like Tottenham. And, and now we're seeing Leicester and Wolves and everybody who's in it. No, this is something that we're going to try to win and, and we're going to go for. So if you're Everton, you could 
that the next step is make the Europa League. Then it's compete for the Champions League. So you can lock that up early in the season when it, the schedule is only going to get worse. Like we're getting into the festive period here, minus three or four games. We we we're still three or four games behind last like where we were last year when we hit this point. So the schedule is just going to get more brutal. Maybe you you push it all out now to to really solidify your your season. Yeah, just um, looking at the schedule, we're gonna have uh, a game midweek end of the weekend, basically until the end of February. It's every week. I mean, we, we knew that yeah, going in. Yeah, pretty much every, every week for the rest of the season. Every single week until... I don't and think there were, there's another international break until March. Yeah. And then... And there were two open weeks, I believe. Like, so they were basically like that that Burnley match, which has been postponed. They were like, there's two open weeks. And now that we've fallen into the Europa League, like, I don't even know what happens there because I guess, I guess that eats up the open weeks because we're playing an extra round. Yeah, the um the Premier League and the FA Cup schedule in January leaves time basically or it leaves the midweeks open, but you know, if we beat Everton, we're going to be playing League uh, the League Cup semifinals in there. Yeah. And then we got to squeeze in that game against Burnley. Well, sounds like a crowded fixture. Well, uh, yeah, but It'd also be a shame if we weren't playing one of them. You're looking at um like an empty calendar right now, but like I I didn't they move the fourth round off the weekend also? Like they moved the fifth round off the weekend last year, so it was midweek, and that was you the mean the FA Cup? Break. Yeah, so I think this year they might have moved the fourth round off the weekend also. So like a week that looks open right now right. may not. Yeah. Well, be a real shame if they were to just bow out of this competition. I'd be gutted. Well, if you make the final and win, then you don't have to you know go all out to win the FA Cup. Yeah, I don't think we should do that either. Then we can just, uh, you know, cruise for the rest of our title challenge. Yeah, you're not a fan. You're just this is very like, you know, recent mid 21st century American. I'm just I'm just trying to prioritize because I, the thing is is like the other three competitions are all things that Solskjaer's last two predecessors have won and. I mean, to a certain degree, I don't know how much, like, oh, man, this is progress that we're building off of that you could have said. I mean, Van Al won the FA Cup, got the sack. and um, He got the sack because the football was just dreadfully boring and Woodward. And we didn't qualify for the Champions League. And also and Jose Mourinho was available. And, and Woodward was enamored with Jose Mourinho. Yeah, well, and then Mourinho. But I would argue, Nathan. Wins, wins the treble. And then all right, all right, don't call it a treble. And then they didn't back them. Like, Nathan. They did. They did, 100%. They spent more money the following year. They they signed him They signed him Lukaku. They signed him Lindelof. They signed him... Um, Matic. Spent $40 million on Matic. Matic. Yeah. So they did back him. But Nathan... And then, and then when he was in second place, they, they went out and paid the same amount of money that they spent on Romelu Lukaku, they spent on Alexis Sanchez. You know, I was I was actually thinking about that this morning only because I was listening to the Ramble talk about Willian, and it kind of it almost feels like Arsenal bought the ghost of Alexis Sanchez and Willian. So that makes. You remember how Willian had three assists on the opening day of the weekend, and and Arsenal fans went nuts and like, what does he have now? Three assists. Yeah, well, a, yeah that was a, also that, against uh, a, that was also against Fulham. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, by uh, Shad Khan. Go Jaguars. People hey, number them. one overall pick, Nathan. Um, congratulations. I don't. Yeah, everyone texted me congratulations, not realizing that I don't watch American football anymore. Um, but I hear that I'm supposed to feel pretty bad for uh, Polly right now, so sorry about that. Yeah, Paulie. I was watching that check game, like, waiting for the uh, – the Rams ran into the end zone and got a dumb holding penalty. <laughs> and, uh, you know, next week, uh, Brownies against Jets. Polly, should we make the podcast about that game? Ooh, it's the Derby. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't care to watch it. <laughs> All right. Well, Garland, uh, man. that is uh, going to do it for us this week. Uh, we will be back with an episode post game on Wednesday. And, uh, yeah. Oh, hold on. We haven't mentioned anything about the men's national team yet. We got to hit our quota. Um, congratulations on a great career, Kyle Beckerman. <laughs> is he retired? he retired today? Yeah, he retired today after 20 seasons in the MLS. Yeah. Legend. I had a moment uh, watching the MLS's back tournament where I realized, oh, that's Kyle Beckerman. And I didn't know it was him because uh, he had a normal haircut. Yeah, he was hard Weston to recognize. McKinney, uh, Weston McKenney won U.S. Soccer Player of the Year in a year where we had four games. And like, I thought about this on Thursday or Friday morning. I, I literally thought about it hours beforehand. I was like, wow, U.S. Soccer hasn't done Player of the Year this year. And I was like, we've only had four games, so... And I haven't seen them do anything, so maybe they're just not giving it out. And I was like, no, there's no way that they won't give it out. Like, they'll find a way to just give it to Michael Bradley again. Should we do the American casual Man United thing and talk about, on the next podcast, should we swap deal Paul Pogba for Weston McKinney? I mean, who says no? Juventus. <laughs> as long as we can Juventus' well, accountant. He's actually, he's on loan from Schalke. He's He's on loan? He's on, he's on loan. loan. It's, it's he's on loan. Oh, yes. And I don't know if you guys are aware, Schalke suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Schalke don't have money. So they Schalke can't. They can't. <laughs> Juventus didn't have the money, to, so they, they need to get his wages off. Juventus didn't have the money to actually buy him. So it's a loan to maybe buy, but like Paul Pogba for Weston McKinney, Juventus will say no because they do not have the money. Ed Woodward, do you want to sell t-shirts in America? Right. Hey. I already tried that angle with Pulisic. Anyway. I feel like we could, well I feel like we well, could they, they did go after Pulisic but we had Jose Mourinho so I reckon we can get Weston McKinney a lot cheaper than Declan Rice too so that's kind of nice they're different players yeah they don't really do the same thing look yeah. man they're just both midfielders and they're probably both overpriced <laughs> they both fit in the CM spot in FIFA so exactly right. and no yeah. that's the problem that like is Declan Rice is like someone you need because you could he could hold the midfield like Weston McKinney is like plays in a two. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, that's it for us. Of Peter Zane. I don't understand why the Stars and Stripes don't have us on their pod. Yeah, right. Yeah, we should we should reach out. 